0: There was a quote attributed to a guy named Edmund Burke, although it goes back to Tolstoy and even Plato, and it says this, there we go, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. God, how good it is to get in your house and worship with brothers and sisters, We thank you, Lord God, that we can come to a place where we can freely proclaim the name of Jesus. We love you, God. We pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to what you would say to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not a scriptural, this is not from scripture, not a scriptural saying, but it is a good saying, and it makes a good point. And, uh... We've been experiencing some pretty cool stuff here at the church lately, haven't we? I mean, wow. For those of you who have not been with us the last few weeks, man, wow. Okay, that's almost i say right now. We'll get into that later. Uh, Galatians 5 says this. Paul writes to, to the church in Galatia, and he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about compassion, the compassion that that Jesus had, and that compassion caused an action. And today we're going to talk about taking those actions. Because compassion without action is just kind of life. It's just kind of like dead. But we need that love. We need that compassion to drive us to do big things. And Paul here is talking to the church. Notice he's talking to the church when he says, Brothers and sisters. This is his audience, guys. He's not talking to people outside the church. He's talking to people who who claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, Guys, you're set free. Man, freedom from what? Freedom from sinful oppression, freedom from death. He's saying, man, you got eternal life. God is living in you. But don't use that just to say, hey, I'm free. Now I'm going to just go do my own thing. Hey, I'm free. I'm free to just do whatever I want. No, he's saying you're set free to serve one another in love. So he's saying you're set free to form an action, Right? And we're going to talk about that today. And uh, I'm excited about this because I love this kind of stuff. Last week, Pastor Tom read from uh, Matthew 20. And uh, he talked about this story of Jesus. And he, he mentioned several scriptures of Jesus' life where Jesus had compassion and he acted on it. He, he had compassion for someone and then he healed them. He had compassion for someone, and then he brought life to them. He had compassion for someone, and he delivered them. And uh, one of my favorite ones that he mentioned, in fact, there were, there were so many actually scriptures. I don't know if you remember the one slide he had. I don't have it up here. But just the scripture references were so many of what Jesus did that it actually formed a collage on the screen, kind of. There were so many of them. And Jesus gives us a wonderful example. And in this passage in Matthew 20, He says this, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, they were on their way to Jerusalem, a large crowd was following him. Okay, this is kind of toward the end of Jesus's ministry time, okay? And, And everybody knew who he was. When he was coming, people gathered around. People wanted to hear what was going on. And there was this crowd and two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowds rebuked him, and he told them, be quiet. But they shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped, and he called to them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. What a beautiful story. They received his sight. Why? Because Jesus had compassion, which led to an action. He healed them. Because of that, they gained their sight and then followed him. Here's the cool little side note to this. If you continue to read in Matthew, uh, just beyond the the scripture, where's Jesus on his way to? He's on his way to Jerusalem for, for what we call Palm Sunday, Can you imagine being these two guys blind all your life, and the very first thing you get to see is Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, palm trees, you know, palm fronds waving in the air, and people putting their cloak down for this guy? Man, that's cool stuff. That's life right there. That's life. That's freedom. Mark, and, and you know, we get so wrapped up going, well, you know, that's a big miraculous thing, and I'm not sure if I can do that, and... Well, you know what? We've been talking about that the last few weeks, haven't we? We've been seeing everyday people come up and praying and supernatural things happen. Big things happen. Cool things happen. The good stuff, we like to call it. And Mark, <clears throat> there's a story that's, that's typically called the feeding of 4,000. And you're saying, well, that's, isn't that 5,000? Well, this actually took place a couple weeks later after uh, Jesus and his disciples had fed the, the 5,000 men and their families. A couple weeks later, they're, they're in another part of the country. And uh, they come to this point, and these people have been following him and listening to his teachings. They come to the point late in the day, and it says this, During those days, another large crowd gathered, and since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. He had compassion on them, took action, and fed them. There wasn't some huge fireworks display or some big things coming down. But granted, he took some, just a few loaves and a few fishes and fed thousands of people. But his compassion not only reached to the great heights, but just to the basic level of, I love you enough that I want to give you your daily bread. I love you enough that I want to make sure that you are fed. And I love that. That compassion led to action. And here's the, fo- here's the thing, folks. That action led to the glory of God. And really, isn't that the end result that we all long for? In Matthew 5, uh, Jesus says this, Let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And really, that's, that's, that's why we do it. We're set free, not for freedom's sake. We're set free to love people and serve them because we humbly love them. It drives us to action, and because of that, we give glory to God. If we have no love for people, we're not going to have compassion for them. And if we have no compassion, we're not going to have action. If we have no action, then we're just living lifeless religion. And you know what? I don't want that. I'm pretty sure you don't want that either. God has called us to life in the fullest, it's exciting. Man, it is exciting living for Jesus. Stuff we've seen has just been some manifestation of what the Holy Spirit's already doing. It's nothing new. It's just cool. And it's abundant, and it's wonderful. And I want that that personal relationship with God that is ever-growing, that is completely life-giving, and that is God-glorifying. That's what I want. Is that what you want? Yeah. I want to be set free. Not so I can do whatever I want. I want to be be set free knowing what's the worst thing that can happen to me? Someone kills me, sends me home. I mean, seriously. Really? Does that scare the heck out of me? You bet. Absolutely. Do I want someone to kill me and send me home? Not particularly. But I know if that happens, that's, that's the worst someone can do to me. I'm okay. Some cool stuff. God wants to give us life abundantly. And I've got a little little demonstration here. And um, I'm trying not to become the prop pastor. Sorry. It's like, man, this guy's like Gallagher or something. I'm going to get the sledge out any minute now. But uh, when I was growing up, um, my family, I was one of five kids. And my mom... Raised five kids, took care of elderly parents, and, uh, you know, times were a little bit tight sometimes, right? And that's okay. We had a, we had a great, great family time. I mean, I loved it. I love my brothers and sisters. I love my mom. And uh, now, part of that, though, is, is when you don't have a lot of dough to go around. Um, anybody here like ice cream? I love ice cream. I love, you know, I'm one of those type of people that I'm I'm the salty snack person, right? You know, you have the salties or the sweets. You know, you got the sweet people can eat chocolate like on a boot and it's good, right? You got the salty people like me and it's like chips, nuts, I need that kind of stuff. But ice cream, come on. If they make that illegal, start collecting bail now. Because when we were a kid, though, this is what our ice cream looked like. Something like this. Right? You've seen this? Buck 57 with your Kroger Plus card. This isn't really ice cream. It's frozen dairy dessert. That's what I call appetizing. I would name off the ingredients, but I can't pronounce most of them. And I think if I started naming them, we'd be here till the 11 o'clock service got here. When I was a kid, I loved this. Couldn't get enough of it. It's what we had. Right, it was fine. It was great. This 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 was ice cream. It's what I knew, and it was good, and and it was good, and and I enjoyed it. And so mom would come and grab some dishes, grab some ice cream, dish it up, right, and it's good. Oh yeah, look at that, maltodextrin, dextrindor. it's fullest. And man, my brothers and I would tear that stuff up. Now, it's not bad. It's not evil. But as I got older, and my oldest brother uh, moved out, and my sister moved out, my grandpa passed away, so just a, a, a few of us left in the house, we realized that the grocery budget grew a little bit. So we ended up, went on sale... Some look like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, and this even comes in flavors, you know? This stuff, you want flavors, you got like Hershey's syrup in, remember the cans of Hershey's syrup? Don't put those on the stove, by the way. My mom would heat that up occasionally to, for like a special treat. And one time I learned how Old Faithful works. Seriously. I ate this and I went, wow, this is good. Not only did it taste better, it, it felt different. In fact, the, there's even a word for it. It's called mouthfeel, right? I'm like, wow, this is this is different. And you know what? I didn't want this anymore. I remember there were times where times got a little lean, and mom would buy that. Bring it home. I'm going, yeah, hey, what's that? <laughs> and she said, this is what we got, and I went, okay, I'll eat it, <laughs> right? As I got older, and the house became more evacuated, and I got a job, I learned that I could go buy my own ice cream, and being from Cincinnati, Ohio, I learned of Graders, the only ice cream store in the Bible, Greater love has no man. (laughs) I'm not sure how the hermeneutics break down on that, but it comes in flavors. Graters was able to marry ice cream with coffee and chocolate. It's like the trifecta. (laughs) That blew me away. First of all, I picked up the little pint and I went... Why does this weigh the same as this almost? There's a lot of air in there. A lot of guar gum. This thing's got like five ingredients. It's like fat, (laughs) milk, heart paddles. And it's good. And you know, as I was a kid, we would seriously have to get the, the stuff occasionally and that's cool, but once I had this, I really, I got to be honest. This is the first carton I have ever purchased of that as an adult. And this is not about economics. This is about quality. Okay, if if I gave you the option for the same price, you could have any of these. Which one would you take? Yeah. Come on. Maybe put a little jennies in there or something, right? And uh the funny thing is what we do back when I was a kid, we're like, okay, this is starting to taste like chalk, mom. Oh <laughs> put a little little chocolate syrup on there, right? Makes it all better. Oh, wait a minute, mom. That's not quite good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just wanted to make sure it wasn't poison. Starting to look better, isn't it? Anybody like chopped nuts? Look at that. Yeah. (laughs) Later, Bill. Little sprinkles. All we had left were leftover Christmas ones, but they work. And here we go. I can't stand these things. But let me tell you what, when you put it on a Sunday, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it pretty? Pretty Sunday. Same crappy ice cream. <laughs> Same stuff. So many times in my life with Jesus, I kept going back to this bowl. And uh, I tried putting syrup in it make it look a little better, make it a little more palatable. This is the same stuff. Once I got down to the bottom. This is like life with Jesus. Forrest Gump says life is like a box of chocolates. Well, it's more like a carton of ice cream. Because you do know what you're going to get. I'll get that later. We constantly keep going back to the cheap ice cream. Not we. Some of us, though. I got to admit, there are a lot of times in my life I go back to that cheap ice cream, spiritually speaking. You know why? I'll give you three reasons why. Can we put that up there? Three reasons why. One is, you know what? There's a, there's there's, a, oh, I know what you're going to put up there. Go ahead. Put up the next slide there, Peggy. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going out of order and, and I'm not being fair. God is offering you the good stuff. That's what you're looking for, isn't it? At the same price. He says, you, don't, you can have that if you want it. I want to give you this. Same price. No charge. But there are three reasons we keep going back to that. And the number first one is this. There, there's little cost to that first one. Doesn't cost much, which means you don't have to work much. Right? Makes the dollar go a little further. Second is, it's comfortable. It's familiar to us. It's what we're used to Till we try the other. Man, taste and see. The Lord is good. Number three is this. We make excuses. Oh, well, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll just go ahead and finish it. It was in the freezer, right? Oh, it's fine. You know what? Uh, I'm not really living it, but I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll, join, the, I'll join the choir at church. That's what I did. Seriously like the only teenager in in choir. Everybody else was like 80 or over. It was great. It was a blast. I was like their grandchild. I had like 87 grandparents. And I thought that made me a better Christian. I thought that made, I thought that's what what it was about. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be in the choir. Whatever. But God's calling us to something bigger, something abundant. And uh, so I want to give you a couple reasons why you should be eating from this end of the table. And that's this. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Some, some translations say life to the fullest. You know what? I want life to the fullest. Man, I want to live it. I want to be crazy, man. I want to love Jesus. I want life to the fullest. I want all I can get. I want this with the toppings. You know You know what's kind of funny is I went from this to this the toppings got a little fewer. This, the toppings were there to kind of cover the nasty, make it a little more palatable. This, you put a little few toppings on, and all of a sudden it complements it. And all of a sudden those things that I thought I was doing because of duty or because of obligation or because of religion, all of a sudden I was doing them because I loved Jesus. And it tasted good. It tasted good. It was satisfying and it tasted good. That's how we grasp God. He meets us there in that life to the fullest. It's how we understand him. It's how we get what he's doing. And he calls us to have love. And that love drives us to compassion for people. And that compassion drives us to action, to move on those feelings, to move in that Deep, deep hurt for people that you're passionate about, and we give all that to the glory of God. One of the one of the things I just loved about um, this More Love, More Power conference. One of the things I loved that Robbie was saying is uh, he was very humble. He was, his humility just blessed me, and uh, it was it was wonderful to see healings happen, to see deliverances happen, and every time Robbie would pause and just say, thank you, Lord. It's a good example. It's a good example. We need to remember to to keep doing that. Thank you, Lord. So here's the thing. What do I do with this stuff? What do I do with this information? Well, James kind of gives us an idea in James 2. And it says, what, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, oh, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? You ever heard that, that term, so heavenly-minded? no earthly good gosh come on in the same way faith by itself is if it is not accompanied by action is what dead i don't want to live dead faith i don't want to live dead faith man i want to live in the power of the holy spirit walk in with the power of the holy spirit listening and discerning what the holy spirit is telling me for the glory of god Some will say, You have faith and I have deeds. I say, Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God? Well, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. You believe in God? Awesome. So do the demons. I don't want to be on that same level, man. I want to keep it moving. Man, I want an abundance that comes with love and God. Be in peace. Be well. Nah, man, how can I serve you? I love you. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. This stuff will preach, Pastor. Just saying. All righty. We got to be bearing fruit. Galatians 5 gives us a great list of fruits of the Holy Spirit. After that, it tells us we need to be keeping in step with the Holy Spirit walking in step. If we're not bearing fruit, we need to kind of do a little, what, what they said in the 1980s, that little introspection, right? We need to kind of look inside ourselves and say, are, are we living this out, folks? Am, am I living out my faith? Am I walking it out with Jesus? Am I stepping out of my comfort zone? Am I madly in love with the people around me? I got news for you. You start asking this kind of stuff, and God's going, no, but you will be. I'm sorry, you want some of this? Great. I'm going to make you so in love and so passionate for that person in the next cubicle that you can't do anything but just pray for them as you sit at your computer. I'm going to make you so passionate that when you're driving past that homeless guy at the stoplight, you're just emptying out your ashtray full of coins. Maybe your wallet too. Not judging him. What's he going to do with it? That's, that's me right there, sorry. That's, that's where I'm working. It's where I'm working on me. I just got to give it all. Are we eating the good ice cream, folks? I invite you to, to this table because God invites us to this table and says there's more. There's more. You're free. You're free. You're free. Let's live in that freedom. And uh, here's the thing. Acts 1 says this. Oh, by the way, this, is, this sounds a little scary, but I'll give you a little promise. Uh, God does all the hard work. He'll do the heavy lifting. We just need to be vessels. We need to say, God, here we are. Use me. He comes in us. He does the work. The cool thing is we get to be a part of it. The cool thing is we get to be the blind guys whose sight is restored to see the triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. We get to walk along with Jesus, and that's exciting. In Acts 1.8, it's a, it's a uh, passage that we use a lot when we talk about going out and, and talking to people about our faith. And it says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we say we need to go out, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to share with them. But we kind of miss, we skip over, we read fast that first part, which is, which is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're not doing this alone. Man, if it it was up to me doing it alone, I'd be out of luck. I'm just not that good. I'm just a little too messed up. I know it's a newsflash. It's okay. But that action comes from that fulfilled life, and big stuff happens with that. And I'm going to share one story with you. Um. Few weeks ago at the, at the the conference, uh, Robbie asked if there was anybody who had a, a bad shoulder, right? And he said, "You know, anybody who has a bad shoulder, come up." And I was sitting in the back with my wife, and uh, and Donna kind of looked at me, and I looked at her because I've I've had this messed up shoulder for years. I, I did construction work uh, for almost 15 years, and just have destroyed every chunk of my shoulder. And uh, we looked at each other and just kind of smiled and cried a little bit, and. And I came up, and I'm like, yay, I'm going to get some prayer. And like 30 other people came up, too. And I'm like, ah, you know, like I'll, I'll wait in line, you know. And I kind of sat over here, and I, I waited patiently. And I brought some people up on stage, and, and that's cool. And and I'm over here. And, and finally, at one point, uh, he says, you know what, guys, let's let's pair up and start praying for each other. And I got paired up with this guy named Matt, very nice guy. And, uh, and, and we, we put our hands, we laid our hands on each other's shoulders. And it's kind of weird because... Um, he also took his other hand, and he kind of cupped my elbow, which I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I, you know, who am I to judge? And, and so we're kind of praying, and we're like this. And, and uh, you know, we, we prayed once, and, uh, and then Robbie asked, you know, if it was a 10 before, what is it now? And, and, and Matt said, well, mine's about a 5. And I said, well, you know, mine's still about an 8. I mean, I, I was here. This is it. This is all I could do. And um, so, And so Robbie asked us to pray again. And we did. His went down to zero. Mine went down to seven. It Still hurt real bad. And, and he's just holding on to my elbow. And I'm like, dude, let go of my elbow. It's a little freaky now. Um, it's all good, but you know, we're friends. Um, and, and it, but, it, but the wild thing was, you know, eventually, you know, we, we prayed for a while. We sat down. Years ago, I developed this thing in, in this arm, uh, part of my destroyed, messed up arm, where um, from about here down, my, my arm was numb most of the time, tingled in the fingers. And uh, I, had, I had some kind of pinched nerve or something. They could never quite diagnose it right. And uh, occasionally, if I slept on it wrong or if I just wasn't using it or I used, overused it, it would, it would feel like my arm was literally on fire. I mean, it burned. It was in so much pain. I would ice it down. I would cry to my wife, like all good men do, <laughs> please, and make it better. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm heading back to my seat, and I'm going, I can, I can feel my fingers. I can move my arm. There's no pain here. And I went, you know, and that's, that's kind of worth it, having a seven left here, if I'm going to get this. No fire. Good. You know? And, and so it, that's a great story, and it would, it would be great if it ended there, but it didn't, because later on that night, uh, it, toward the end, they asked parents to go get their kids, and there was some prayer going on up here. And I met someone out in the lobby, and they said, you know what, I, I was up there for prayer, and I didn't get my chance, and I'm kind of embarrassed to go back up now, because I, I was up there, and I left, and I don't want to go back up. I said, you know what? I'll go up with you. Why not? So you don't have to go up by yourself. So I, I walked up this aisle here, and and led this person over here to someone to pray for them, and uh, while that was going on, parents were over here getting their kids, and they were bringing them out here, and, and one of the ladies uh, has an eight-year-old daughter, and uh, her eight-year-old daughter said, "What's going on in there?" She said, "Well, people are getting prayed for. People are praying for each other for healing and stuff like that." She said, "Cool, do you think I could do that?" Eight Eight. I had to think about that. Eight. And she's, well, yeah, who would you like to pray for? She goes, Pastor Tony. Where's Pastor Tony? Okay, now this is all going on unbeknownst to me. I found this out later. And so I, I drop this person off up here, and I kind of walk through here, and I, I do what I do a lot when there's a mass up here because I, I love doing it. I'm just kind of praying as I'm walking because I'm walking out anyway. I'm like, mm, give some, you know. And I get to about here, this aisle, and, and they're on their way down this aisle right here, and they stop me. She says, hey, she wants to pray for you. I'm like, okay. Someone tells me they want to pray for me, it's on. I got down on my knees. That eight-year-old girl came over and she put her hand right here. And that hand was hot, like fire, man, and boom, I can do this. Come on. I need to be like that eight-year-old little girl. I need to live in that full life and eat from this end of the table. I challenge you guys to do that too. I'm I'm tired of this stuff. I mean, look at this stuff. It's just kind of a mess now. I'm tired of being a mess. And so uh, I'm gonna invite the, the band to come on up here and we're gonna have a little ministry time. You know, we, we started out with a quote that all that is necessary for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. I don't want evil to triumph. I'm tired of it. Evil's had its time. The enemy's had its time. The world has had its time. I'm ready to, I'm ready to put my mark in the sand. I'm ready to draw the line. I'm ready to eat from this end. And I don't want to go back that end ever. I want more. I want more. I want to live in the fullness that drives me to action, that gives glory to God every time I raise my hand in prayer. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I'm going to ask you this. Are you ready? Are you ready to start eating the good stuff? Because I'll tell you this right now. Once you eat that, you don't want that serious. Once you taste what the Lord can do, once it becomes real to you, and you experience you can't go back. You can try. But God does something in your heart. He sets you free. And that causes us to have action. And again, give glory to God. See how that kind of just always circles in on itself? God is good. He's going to start creating you a love for people and it's going to be some of the weirdest people in the world. I'm a look around. I love you guys, and we are some of the kookiest people in the world. Sorry to drag you into that, but it's true. We all have our quirks. We all have our sins we're dealing with. We all have our baggage we're bringing to the party. Man, I love you guys. I want to see you. I want to see you come to the party. I want to see you live life to the fullest. I'm not, I didn't say this because I want you to feel guilty. And go, oh man, I'm not, I, come on, really? I'm not saying that. I'm saying it because I want you to eat the good stuff. And that's what God wants from you too. So here's what we're going to do today. And I know some of you uh, might have come also and said, you know, what, what's up with that stuff? Because I thought we were going to do some of the, the healing prayer stuff that we've been doing the last week. And that, well, two things. One, first of all, don't wait till Sunday. Come on, man. Tuesday night, by the way, we've seen some healings happen, some physical healings that have just been outraged, blow my mind. Pastor Tom grabbed the shoulder of, of his doctor at the doctor visit. I don't want to spoil the story because he might tell it sometime. It doesn't have to happen here, but it can Today. So if, you're, if you thought, you know, hey, I was kind of hoping that would happen today, we're going to allow time for that too. So here's what I like, if, if you are uh, one of our prayer ministry people, come on up, over here, over here, just, just whichever side, so we, we can spread out a little, and um, awesome, thanks guys. So here's the deal, if you have come today and you said, you know what, I, I thought we were going to do the healing thing again, cool, awesome, yes we are, absolutely, That's always open, ma'am. We love you. We want you to be healed. We want you to be made whole. We want you to be delivered from the funk and the garbage and stuff that that you may have brought in. We don't want you to leave with it. These people over here are going to pray for you. Okay? If you just need that healing touch, right there, you feel free to come on down in just a minute. If you came and you said, wow, I didn't know you were going to be preaching about that, but I want some of that. I want that fullness of life that you're talking about. I want to start stepping out of my faith and start living crazy stuff. Right? That's It's going crazy to the world's eyes. Once you get in it, you go, man, this is kind of cool. If you want that, these people over here are going to pray for you for that. More stuff. You got that, guys? You can do that. Awesome. These are good people. They're here to serve you today. So if you'd like, come on up. We're going to Just worship the Lord, but come on up and and, uh, again, healing over here, fullness, more, more, more over here.